Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. A Romans 12, verse 2. This has been the verse for our series. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, Paul tells us to be transformed. Last week, I talked about self-mastery, and I believe that's what he's after. You know, the very next verse, Romans 12, 3, says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Think of yourself with sober judgment. We know about sobriety. We know about clarity and self-mastery, as it's called in the New King James Version. It's self-government, self-control the foundation of a strong and godly life, how you grow and how you produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life, which is self-control. You see, if a person cannot govern him or herself, all the prayers and, and all the Bible reading, well, there's still something that I must do. There's still something I must master to become a mature follower of Jesus Christ. Well, we need worship. We need service and generosity and meeting together in community like the scripture commands us. You know, being online is great, but can I just challenge you? We need each other. Seeing people rejoin us has been a thrill. Some people we haven't seen in many months are joining us again in person, and that's great. You know, meeting in small groups, having prayer together, and a desire to follow Jesus together, not simply believing in him, but following him. Now, all of these are essential for what the Bible really refers to as discipleship or spiritual growth. And the biblical writers use that word sober, the same word that Paul used earlier, in various ways. We behave in an orderly manner. We are sober and serious. We are sane. We are sound-minded. We are firm and secure, discreet, self-disciplined, prudent, and moderate. And all of this only happens as we take ownership of the thinking in our mind. See, without ownership over our lives, we will not change. Everything we do begins in our minds. When people say, go with your gut, follow your heart, can you tell me where your gut is? Hey, by the way, where is your heart? You see, some would contend that our our heart is here But others would say our heart is really here. It's in our mind, how we think, what we remember, the memories or thoughts that come up, the emotions that we connect with, uh, looking at an old video or an old photo album and seeing those moments of life and the immense emotions that rise. But if there was just emotions and no mental memory, there'd be no connection between what was and how we feel. The reality is our minds, our brains are the keys to our spiritual maturity. And whatever God wants to do in your life is going to be the result of transformative health in your mind. So let me say it again. Be transformed and renewed in your mind. So here's some good news. Your brain stores everything. 
Here's some bad news. Your brain stores everything. Your brain can't distinguish between what's imaginary and what's real. You can even trick your own thinking or your brain. It takes in both truth and it takes both uh, lies in as well. You, you, you store all kinds of garbage in your brain. And whether you realize it or not, often you base your decisions upon that garbage. When you were a child, an adult said things to you that you believe without question, because after all, they were authority figures. Well, maybe they said you weren't good enough or you'd never amount to anything in life. They were lies then and they're lies now, but we believe them anyway. See, we need to change the soundtrack that's playing in our mind. Instead of, of, of playing something based on lies, you need to play something based on the truth of God's word. Instead of just resisting those thoughts, you can refocus them towards what is true and what is right. Hey, how about this verse, Philippians 2.5? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, the King James Version says. You know, the, the Bible tells us that there's a spiritual war going on all around us. Do you want to say, duh, like we didn't know? But the battlefield for the war, this, this war is in our mind. My good friend, Pastor Wayne Cadero says, the devil is a headhunter and your mind is the battlefield and your imagination is his trophy. You see, all spiritual battles are won and fought in our minds. And if you want to know where I got that, well, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And what do we do? We, we use that divine power and we demolish arguments and every pretension, and watch this, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We need to control our thinking. And we need to bring it captive under the authority of Jesus Christ and the power of God, the divine power. You see, our minds are an invisible place where our most significant battles take place. So here's my main point. Take your thoughts captive. Let me say it again. Take your thoughts captive. That's huge, especially for people that are wired like me. You know, I have a million thoughts going through my head throughout the day. I have to slow them down sometimes and take them captive. They're like airplanes that fly in my head. I've got to land a few, and, a few and, and tell them, you're out of gas. Get into the hangar for a while. You know, others of you, you get this. You're creative in numerous areas. Others can, can design or figure out complex problems and engineer things and create things. And in the positive of the mind and the ability to produce much and create comes the battle. The very essence of how God made our minds to think and imagine, to, to read a book and all of a sudden see the landscape that's portrayed by the author is a powerful thing. But when thoughts go awry, we need to bring them captive and obedient to Christ. Sometimes I feel like squatters have come and taken up residence in my brain. 
Some thoughts are for you and some thoughts are against you and some are ruled by fear or the past or what someone said to you or what someone posted or what someone wrote or what someone texted or what someone spoke out of their deep pain and anger. Horrible words to you that bounce around in your head like those flying airplanes I talked about earlier. We all have these classifications in life, uh, OCD or, or hyperactivity, an inability to stop thinking, to, to turn your brain off. But here's what we need to do. We need to take our thoughts captive and we need to bring them to Christ. When we have trouble taking our thoughts captive and bringing them under ourselves, then we bring them under Christ. Because if we can't take control of our thoughts, our thoughts will take control of us. 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, to obliterate, to explode strongholds. Now, these, these words here, divine power, how often we try to use worldly principles and not biblical ones or limit our power and not use divine power. Listen, the Apostle Paul wrote those words by inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he said in verse 5, 2 Corinthians 10, that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. It's God himself that wants us to know that he's given us divine power so we can win the war, the battle in our minds. If we're fighting someone or, or some animal, I mean, that would be pretty easy. I would know who my enemy is, and I'd find out what to do. But we're not fighting like a, like a lion or a bear. We're fighting like a swarm of bees coming at us. Thought after thought after thought buzzing in our brains, and we have to redirect them to another path. But we do this. We, we demolish arguments and pretension that's counter to the knowledge of God. So here's what I'd like you to do. See yourself as developing a filter to redirect the thinking that comes to you. In Mark chapter 8, we have a story of a man who was blind. And it says in verse 22 to verse 25 that they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and, and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand Obviously, he's touching him now, and, and he led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you, do you see anything? And he looked up, and he said, I, I see people. They, they look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open. His sight was restored. And he saw everything, notice this, clearly. The story is a clear statement of progressive healing. It's different from some of the other healings in the Bible where Jesus laid his hands on someone and they, they raised from the dead. Or Jesus reached out and grabbed someone and they began to walk. Maybe this blind man could see before when he was younger. And then he lost his eyesight. Or perhaps he's been blind all his life. And he had felt, he'd felt the, the bark of a tree before with his hands. And he realized what a tree must look like. Years ago, I had a friend who was blind. And the first time I met him, he asked 
if he could touch my face and run his fingers around, around my nose and, and my chin. He told me from these feelings, he was able to create a mental picture of what Bernie Fetterman looked like, an imagination of me. And possibly for this man being healed, he could say, I, I, I see what I think are trees. I've felt them before and I've imagined them in my brain. But what I see now with my eyes being healed doesn't line up with what I had created in my imagination. Kind of looks like men walking around. And see, even when Jesus had touched his eyes, he could not see clearly yet. And the second thing I want you to see is the goal of a healthy mindset is clarity. Jesus went through so much on this planet. How, how often did the devil try to keep him from his mission, to keep him from the cross so he could die for your sins and my sins? And even Peter, his followers, said, Jesus, you're going to the cross, but it will never happen. No way. And Peter stands in front of Jesus as if to block him from his purpose and his future. And you know the words. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Now, Peter wasn't Satan, but he was thinking like Satan. He was thinking demonic thoughts. He was thinking thoughts that would derail Jesus from living out his purpose and his mission. See, when you have a healthy mindset, it gives you a clarity about your purpose and your calling. Peter said, no way. But Jesus said, yes, I'm going all the way to the cross. Why? Because he had you and me in mind. And somehow Jesus allowed the thinking of Peter, the statements of the devil when he was tempted in the wilderness to be filtered out of his life. And that's what we need to do. See, a healthy mindset allows you to see yourself clearly and the purpose that God has for you in, the, in your life and the worth that God has declared over you. We demolish arguments. We bring thoughts captive. The greatest fear is, is a lack of clarity, that, that life looks dark. A relationship looks like it's never going to change. It's murky or it's foggy. You see, first, a man was blind. He, he couldn't see a thing. Second, he could see, but not see clearly. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. And then the third part was he saw everything with clarity. I submit to you that a healthy mindset and seeing clearly is a process. Just because we give our lives to Jesus, it's not a one and done. Jesus encountered the man and put his hands on him several times before full healing took place. The reality is we keep moving our lives. We keep trusting God. We keep following him and directing our thoughts to where they need to go and where they need to be cast down and thrown away. And we're like a swarm of bees. They need to be redirected. And we stay connected to Jesus so his power and his truth can touch us. If our thoughts are murky and stressed and filled with anxiety, then they need to be shaped and transformed by the truth as we tear down the lies that are set against tearing us down. So what does God sound like? I've been asked many times, how do I know the voice of God 
amongst all the voices in my head, the voices of the past, the voices around me. You see, every voice that calls us to less than who God says we are is not God. And every voice that says, I will never change, that's not God. And the voices that try to hold me in the past are not God. And the calculated voices of people who try to make me feel like I have no worth and no value and no future, that is not God. And the voices that tell us that we're not forgiven is not God. And the voices that tell us we need to stop moving forward or just give up on our calling and our purpose and our ministry, that's not God. And the voices that say there's no reason to live any longer, or the voices that say I might as well succumb to my addictions and my sinful desires, that's not God. The voices that say you're not lovely and no one really loves you, or you're too young to make a difference, or you're just too old. Life is almost done for you. There's no value here. See, God doesn't sound like that at all. God sounds more like words we find in the Bible. Actually, God sounds exactly like words in the Bible because they're his words. Through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 51, 11, he speaks, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you're dry and restoring your strength, and you will be like well-watered garden like an ever-flowing spring. And then his words in Lamentations, chapter three, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. That's what we need to hear because that's the voice of God. Second Timothy 1.7, for God's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love. And there it is, self-discipline. Or how about this, self-mastery, owning our stuff. And then if that were not enough, the apostle Paul, who'd been beaten and left for dead every time he preached the gospel, who'd been shipwrecked, who'd been knocked down but not knocked out, who'd been thrown into prison after prison. Here's what he says in Romans 8. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons Neither our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the voice of God, and that's what he sounds like. The voice that calls you to compassion and care, that's the voice of God. The voice that calls you to be generous and love all people of all nations, tribes, and tongues. That's the voice of God. The voice of God allows you to create the filter that allows into your mind what shapes your life. There's a filter that allows certain things in your mind and keeps certain things out. When you have certainty about who you are in Christ, who God thinks you are, when I say this phrase to you, hear it, that God has more for you and somehow it resonates in your soul, that's because God's already placed those seeds inside of you. That he has more for you. That he's not done with you. 
And he's not done with our church. He's not done with our country. He's not done with humanity all over the globe. You may not have control over the thoughts that pass through your mind, but you have control over the thoughts that take root in your mind and in your heart. You have power over that which will somehow take up residency inside of you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5, again, we break down every thought and proud thing that puts itself up against the wisdom of God. We take hold of every thought and, and make it obey Christ. It's God's wisdom and truth we're after. Break down the thinking that's trying to break you down. Take hold of every thought and make it obey Christ and tell it, get out. You have no place here. Not allow the thinking against God to, to build a home in your mind. Send out weapons of prayer and words to say, you have no place here. Fight through. Press through the battle for your mind. And we need to make a decision, and here it is. Decide to shape your mind on the thoughts and the truth of God. And take control over the thoughts that are counter to who God has called you to become. Silence those voices by declaring the truth of God, his word, and his spirit. I mean, quote good scripture. I gave you a few earlier. Just quote them. Eliminate the thoughts fueled by envy or jealousy or greed or those with prideful heart that spoke to you and tore you down. And eliminate the thoughts you have against others or some kind of secret desire or boast that they might fall and fail. Let it go. Let them go. Give them to God. Sometimes people will say, yeah, you go your way. Your way. We'll see what happens to you. And kind of under our voice, we say, hope you fall. Hope you fail. Hey, let that go. Give people to God. That's a key for sure. And don't allow dark thoughts to take up resonance in your heart or your mind. Give God your mind and your imagination. Give your life over to Jesus and fill yourself with his spirit and with his life. Allow him to touch your mind like he touched that blind man's eyes. Cry out to him even today. Say, Jesus, would you help me with my mind? And he's going to remind you, I'll help you, but you've got to do the work. Stop the stinking thinking. you got to let it go. And if you're hearing me now and you've never given your life over to Jesus, tell him, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you fulfilled your purpose. No one could deter you or derail you from what you came to do. You did what you were called to do. And you provided for me a way to be forgiven and the way to God. The Bible says nobody comes to the Father but through the Son. Jesus has given us that pathway. And here's what we pray. Jesus, I give you my life. Why don't you even say it now? Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you died on a cross and you rose again from the dead. Why don't you say that now? And then you say, I believe you are Lord. Now, why do we say that? Because the scripture says we believe in our heart and we confess with our lips, Jesus is Lord, and we're saved. If you're giving your life to Christ, I encourage you to, to in the chat, you can just push that little button that says, raise your hand and 
and someone will connect with you in private. Or if you're watching this at some other time, email us and let us know. Call the office. We want to be able to encourage you as you take your steps with Jesus. And I want to remind you of this. You cannot imagine what Jesus will do with your life. Our calls to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And as I move towards this final prayer and we get ready to go into worship, allow me to read one last scripture. And let this scripture form the filter of your mind. As Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, he says, Fix your eyes on what is true, on what is honorable and right, on what is pure and what is lovely and what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. This is Paul talking. And everything you heard from me and saw in me. And then the God of peace will be with you. Every thought that does not call us to more is not a thought that aligns with God's design for us. Every thought that does not call us to healing and health and wholeness is not a thought from God. And every thought that calls us to believe that we're damaged so so greatly that we could never be used by God is not a thought from God. Hey, let us grow and be transformed and let us worship. Dear God, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your heart. You would have never called us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind if you wouldn't have given us the power and the courage to do so. So may we be renewed. May nothing stand in our way as we desire to commit ourselves to you and be fully devoted disciples, followers of Christ all the days of our life. Let's be transformed in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.